I think we all need pep talks. The world needs you to stop being boring. Yeah, you. Boring is easy. Everybody can be boring, but you're good at that. Life is not a game, people. Life isn't a cereal either. Well, it is a cereal. And if life is a game, aren't we all on the same team? I mean, really, right? I'm on your team. You're on my team. This is life, people. You got air coming through your nose. You got heartbeat. That means it's time to do something. I told Two roads diverged in the woods, and I took the road less traveled. It hurt, man! Ooh, Dad. Rocks, bullets, and glass. The pirates broke. Ah! Not cool, Robert Frost. But won't that world work too fast? I won't be the one that leads to awesome. Let that do, Journey said. Don't stop believing. Unless you dream something. Then you should get a better dream. I think that's how it goes. Get a better dream and keep going. Keep going, keep going, and keep going. Let Michael Jordan have quit. Well, he did quit. No, he retired. Yeah, yes, he retired. But before that, in high school, what if he quit when he didn't make the team? He would never made Space Jam. And our world Space Jam. What would be your Space Jam? What will you create would make the world awesome? Nothing if you keep sitting there. That's why I'm talking to you today. This is your time. This is my time. This is our time. We can make every day better for each other. If we're all on the same team, let's start acting up. We got work to do.
Hey, let's cheer him on. We got one more guy coming. Come on. You can do it. That's it. Yes. That's it. Nice. That's it. I know, Chuck. You can do it. You can do it. That's right. Come on. Because you're a winner. You can do it. Yes. winners what are we trying to show you today there were a bunch of crazy people at New Hope Christian Fellowship yes <laughs> and uh, you know what here's what we're trying to show you each one of these men if you'll turn around represents a ministry team in this church children's ministry from deacons and trustees operation quick Christmas child Jason women of hope you go <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and uh, you know what? We are all winners, and you can't be a winner if you don't have a team. You can't be a winner if you don't work together. I love what Paul said, I press toward the prize. I press towards the mark for that prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's what ministry is about. And if you'll notice, the young man, the young, dapperly young man, 20 years old, no, he's kidding. Pastor Chris came, and he greeted Chris, and he helped him the rest of the way. If you remember back in 1992, there was Derek Redman. Derek Redman was in the 400 meter. As he was running and as he was sprinting, I mean, people were like, he's going to win the gold. He's going to make it. As he was running around the track, all of a sudden, he ended up spraining his hamstring in his leg. And he ended up just limping and he stopped in the middle of the race. Here he is, a guy who was looking for a goal. A guy who was looking for, for the, the end of the, the uh, track to become what? first place and to achieve a prize he stopped and passed all of the people passed all of the security this man comes sprinting out and he grabs a hold of his son and as he grabs a hold of him he starts to walk with him and his son put his head on his shoulder which was his father and he said son you can do it let's go to the finish line and so his son just wept because this is something he worked hard to do. He tried to achieve a gold medal. He tried to achieve representing his team. He tried to achieve becoming the best in his field. Where are we at in our ministry? Have we given up? Are we halfway around the track? And it was at that moment that that dad lifted him up and they walked all the way to the finish line. Have you given up on him? Have you lost your place? Have you lost your focus? Where are you in your walk? Where are you in this race? Yes, this might represent the Olympics, although... That's right, first place goal. Because <laughs> you're a winner. And, uh, but, but the reality is, it says, I count not myself, but, to, but for this one thing, to finish the course with joy, Acts 20, 24, that the Lord has set forth. Are we finishing the ministry that God has set forth for us? Is there total surrender? Have you said, okay, God, I know your plans are not my plans. I'm going to give you the chair. I'm going to give you my life. And Lord, I surrender to your will today. Will you do that? Men, give it up for our, our, our runners.
Yes, we represent all kinds of things in this church and different ministries. We're going to let the kids stay in here today. We're going to make this very quick, and we're blessed that you're with us. But I want to talk to you a little bit about um, staying in the race, preparing for the race, conditioning for the race. What's the race about? And it's kind of awkward for me to stand up here. It's been years since I wore a jogging outfit, you know, but here I am. And so uh, that's all right. God's Word's going to be delivered. Let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. We'll only be a few minutes this morning. I said I don't want to take time, but I want you to visit our ministry fair. I want you to uh, visit our booths downstairs. See what's going on in your local church and get involved. Sign up. I love what verse 24 says, and we'll read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain. So run that you may achieve that prize. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible I therefore so run, and not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I want to focus on verse 24 where it says, So run that you may obtain. So I ask you, what is the mission of the Summer Olympians? The Cleveland Browns? The Cleveland Indians? What would you say? Here's the answer. To do what? To win. How do you know if they're accomplishing their, ministry, their mission? Whether or not they're winning their games. Or how do you know if they're winning their games? Because they're doing what? They're keeping score. I mean, can you imagine what a game would be like if the teams just lined up and played each other going up and down the field but didn't bother to keep the score? What would be the point? And it reminds me of T-ball, if you've ever watched that before. How about our Christian life? What's our mission? Our mission is to do what? To win. How do we know if we're winning? We have to keep score. If you'll notice in the bulletin, I made a comment about when I was growing up, uh, the little oak wooden board that always was at the front of the church. And how many of you grew up with that, where it had the attendance and it had uh, worship service offering and the decisions that were made? Do we need to put one up here? Because you just haven't experienced it yet. But I did keep... You know what that was? That was keeping score. That was letting people know who was there the previous week, what decisions were made the previous week, what was going on in the church. And so numbers were a focus. Folks, God doesn't want us to look at numbers. He wants us to look at us as a relationship to obtain a prize, to complete the the job that He's called us to do. Many churches are still keeping score this way. While I don't totally dismiss, I'm totally convinced that there are other ways to measure the church's effectiveness. Special Olympics, it's not all about winning, but it's about participating. It's not about being the best, but it's about being the best that you can be. It's not about getting the gold, but crossing the finish line. It was great this morning. As you know, we have uh, a couple young men in our church that uh, participate in the Special Olympics. We all love Patrick and Rusty. And Rusty just texted me about, I think it was 9.45, and he said, I want you to know we, were, we, wanna, we run, won our game yesterday. And so I texted him back, I'm very proud of you, Rusty. It's not always about being number one, because everybody's a winner. You'll notice in the Olympics, there's the gold, the silver, the bronze. But today, I hope you noticed that everybody that was up here 
was in first place. Why? Because in this ministry, if you're given your all, you're a winner. If you're given your all, then God's pleased with your relationship and your walk in Him. Let us go to the Lord and pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for the, the great time of uh, fun and fellowship that we've had this morning. But Lord, may we not forget why we minister. And Lord, may we not forget what our calling is as Christians to surrender, to become alive, and to be active about your church and your kingdom. So Father, may everything that's said and done today, Father, may, may your word go forth, may not come back void, but may it prosper. Hide me behind the cross. Put me in your shadows. In your name I pray. Amen. If anyone was ever considered a winner in the Christian life and in the church, Paul would undoubtedly qualify. And so in these short four verses, Paul personally models three characteristics of a genuine winner that, that we just previously read. The three characteristics of genuine winners. And the first characteristic of the winner is this. Winners are contenders. Run in such a way as to do what? Let's just say to get or to achieve a prize. If ever a word described the Apostle Paul, it would be contender. He didn't just live life, he attacked it. In Acts 14, Paul was preaching to a crowd in Lystra. Some of his enemies were able to turn the crowd against him and they stoned him, dragged him outside the city and left him for dead. As soon as Paul came to, the Bible says, he got up and what did he do? He went back into the city. He had such a burning desire to preach the gospel that he even the threat of physical violence couldn't keep him away. Talk about a contender. No wonder Paul could say at the end of his life, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. First Timothy or Second Timothy four seven. What I want to show you is there's a huge difference between a pretender and a contender. A pretender concerned about image and impressions. A contender concerned about authenticity and integrity. A pretender settles for mediocrity, but a contender strives for excellence. A pretender quits in difficulty, but a contender grows through difficulty. What Paul was trying to say is that if you really want to win the Christian life and in the church, then you must be what? You must be a contender. Here are two characteristics of a contender. They're competitive and they're what? They're goal-oriented. You see, contenders are competitive. Contenders are very competitive. While athletes compete against one another, as followers of Christ and as the church, our competition is much different. We compete with what? Three influences. One, social influences, satanic influences, or maybe even selfish influences. As you saw depicted through this last skit, Chris represented you, us, me. Where if a man's stumbling that we pick him up and we keep him going, we encourage him. Because of social influences and satanic influences and selfish influences, we'll stop right in the middle of it. We'll give up. We've all been to the place where we've said, yes, I want to give up, I want to quit today. Today's it. I want to give up. Well, I realize who the enemy is and he wants to discourage me and he wants to discourage you. He wants all of us to give up. But we have a calling and we have a work to do. And we need to complete it. We need to finish our course. We need to keep the faith. Paul was encouraging the church to do just that. Contenders are goal-oriented. 
Winners are contenders who reach for the prize. I love what Philippians 3.14 says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. And who? In Christ Jesus. If our goal is to win the prize and if we're to run to get the prize, then wouldn't it be nice to know what the prize is? What, what is the prize of the Christian life? What is the reward? I dare say that most of us would say heaven and we would partially be correct. Because heaven is a part of the prize, but it's not the prize. You want to know what the prize is? The prize is your changed life. The prize is other people and their lives changing for Him. And there are three dynamic changes of a transformation that God desires for each of our lives. And regardless of who you are or where you are in your spiritual journey, you need one of these changes. And so you say, Pastor, what are they? What are those changes that I need to take place? And I'm not going to go into a deep theological message because we have a lot to do this morning. So I'm going to keep it brief. And so I want you to listen closely. Three things, justification, sanctification, and glorification. That's a lot of vacations going on up here. What is sanctification? It's salvation. From darkness to light. Saved from what? From the penalty of sin. Sanctification is the process of becoming like Christ. Saved from what? The power of sin. Becoming more like Him. And then third, glorification, ultimately transformed into the likeness of Christ, saved from the presence of sin. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, If we beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. But be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God wants you transformed. He wants you changed. How many of you want to say, just say amen. If I Say, I want to be changed in Him. Amen. amen. We all do. Why, why would we be here? Because we're in the race. Satan wants to trip us up. He wants to pull a hamstring. He wants to say, you're not going to achieve that goal. So in, in the middle of the race, he's doing one of these numbers. I'm going to trip them. They're going to lose their focus. Do you understand what Satan's trying to do? He doesn't want you to win. I remember being back in school and everybody going like this, meaning loser. Nobody's a loser in this room. You're a winner. And if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're a winner. Someone who runs to win. A contender who is competitive and goal-oriented. Someone who refuses to settle for less than God's best in their lives. We see the second characteristic of a winner is that winners are always in training. It never stops. It's a continual process throughout every single day of our life. I don't know about you, but I find this to be one of the most exhilarating aspects of the Christian life. To think that there's always room to grow. That no matter how much we age, we can still be learning and growing. Think about this thought. Toddlers wear training pants. Their first bike had training wheels. And every dad moans the day that his little girl has to start wearing training undergarment. But that's her growing up. But as Christians, we need to accept the fact that we are in training and always will be. So let's look at two aspects of spiritual training according to Paul in this passage. First of all, Hebrews 1, 12, 1 says this, There was a great crowd 
cheering them on. Don't you, don't you guys like that? Are you ready to rumble? As soon as you hear it, you know what's going to precede it because that individual, that gentleman, he's known for actually doing that. So all of a sudden, the crowd breaks out and the bells start going and people start cheering and you know they're hoping that their individual or team is going to win. We're cheering them on. Hebrews 12.1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Verse 25 in our text says, They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. I love what... What Chris said, he was, he was trying to encourage Hillary to make a decision. Listen, what are you going to do? Are you going to surrender? Are you going to just take everything and, and try to hold it and be in control of it? My daughter's boyfriend, Steve, we went yesterday in the middle of the day and ran over there and then came back. They had their championship basketball game and uh, it was really encouraging to, to watch these guys. And i got to tell you something. I'm 42 years old, and there was a guy out there, 36. He was getting beat up by those young guys. I mean, 24, 25, 26. One's a teacher, green, 32. But Steve's team won. So it was great for us. And in my head, I'm like, are you ready to rumble? You know, but we're there. We're cheering them on. We're saying, you can do it. You know, and I always find it interesting. The, the commentator, he's like... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we want to welcome you today to St. V, and this is going to be a competition between Blessed Queen and Holy Family, and uh, I, I couldn't remember exactly Blessed Queen. And uh, so as, as we do this, we want to please remember that no clapping, no shouting, please do not distract the players. Have you ever been to a game where you don't clap? Let me demonstrate me. Yeah! Yo! Yeah! Yeah! I was so excited. I was cheering him on. Becky's looking at me like, don't settle down. I can't help it. It just like came up in me. Whew, thank God I'm not a guy who lives for sports because it's rough. And that's why I don't because I just get into the game. We need to be there for motivation. We need to be there to achieve our crown. What are our motives? Most of us would say we have internal motives. It's our pride. You know, it's hard when you have a team that's losing, isn't it? Go ahead and say it. Yeah. That's why I started off today saying Cleveland Browns need to win a game. And uh, external motives, monetary rewards, popularity, prestige. External motives. Life is a test and there will be a final exam. I love what 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8 says, Exercise thyself rather unto godliness... For bodily exercises profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promised the life that now is and of that which is to come. I have to tell you, bodily exercise profiteth little. I tried to exercise here a couple years ago. I'm like, this is going to be fun. This is going to be great. But I have to tell you, bodybuilder something, that it's very difficult for me. I can't drink all that stuff. I can't take those big pills that are like that big and they choke and they get lodged here and, you know, they're like, you need some whey protein. I need a lot of things. I'm like a buck 75, so I'm like, okay, I need to tell the truth, buck 55. And uh, so I was trying to take and, you know, make the six-pack 
that I never had tried to reappear, but it just didn't happen. So I gave up on exercising because I realized that it profited a little, so I needed to go right back to the book, get into prayer, get into the Word, and have a better relationship with Him to become a godlier man. Amen? And I think we all need to do that. But I, I appreciate each and every one of you that walk, that work out, that exercise, because it's worth it. I mean, it really is worth it. And take care of yourself. Matthew 19.26 says this, We must have self-control. Self-control does two things. It releases power and it creates credibility. With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So with God, He can accomplish whatever He wants. And it's a love what Vince Lombardi once said, winning is a habit and so is losing. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected win, to give you an expected end. Proverbs 22.29 says, Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand on the gold metal platform before kings, and he shall not stand before mean men. Winners say, I have a plan. A loser says, I have an excuse. A winner says, let me do it for you. And a loser says, it's not my job. A winner says, see a solution for every problem. And a loser says, see a problem for every solution. A winner says, during golf, see a green close to every sand trap. A loser says, see two or three sand traps around every green. A winner sees a difficult situation, but he also sees the possibility. A loser sees a possible situation, but the difficulty. A winner says, hey problem, look how big my God is. And a loser says, oh God, look how big my problem is. Winning doesn't make the attitude. The attitude makes you a winner. I feel like Joel Olstein up here today. Now, here's what we need to do. We know prosperity. And uh, this is great. Win, win, win. Winners have a positive attitude. Winners learn from their mistakes. And I have to tell you something. I jogged from there up here. and Just all that activity has got my blood pressure up. I feel like I'm like all over the place. Because it gets you excited. And I hope that the Word of the Lord gets you excited. I hope that your Christian life gets you excited. We have lost our excitement because we've taken on a loser mentality instead of being a winner. You know what's sad for me? is to see people come in the pews and to sit and to see their life backslide to a place where they've lost fellowship with God the Father. And I want to go over to them, and in the middle of it, I've tried, I've tried to pick them up and say, come on, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. I want to be a cheering section. But Satan's always there as I'm trying to pick them up. He's making them heavy for me. And it's getting heavier and heavier and heavier until I drop them. What kind of mentality do you have? Do you have a winning mentality or a losing mentality? Are you going to keep going on? Are you going to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus? Paul knew it. He knew what it was about. Winners learn from their mistakes. Set goals in your personal life, your business, your marriage, your ministry. Better yourself. If someone looks at you today, they should be able to see improvement over the last year or maybe over the last month. Winners always have to pay the price. The value of your dream is determined by how much you are willing to pay for it. I love what Michelangelo, he was not just the best painter of his time, he had a bad back and a sinus condition. No one else was willing to do 
whatever it took to succeed. But here's what he did. In the Sistine Chapel, he laid on his back painting a ceiling for nearly two years. And he completed it. All the other great painters of his day are forgotten in obscurity, but he's remembered because he didn't give up. In 1949, Jonas Salk wanted a cure for polio. He worked 16 hours a day, six days a week for five years and gave us the now famous Salk vaccine against polio. Jonas played to win. He didn't give up. He had a passion. He was determined and he wanted to win. Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketball players in history, played in the 1997 championship game against the Utah Jazz with the flu even when he couldn't have stayed at home. He was so sick. $40 million is not what kept him on the floor. Michael Jordan played to win. In closing this morning, here's the principle. Pay now or pay later. If you pay now, you can play later. Losers play now and end up paying later. Winners pay now so they can play later. You must determine what you value in the price you are willing to pay. To get something you want, you must give up something else. Back to our skit. You can't sacrifice unless you have a choice. Everyone wants authority without responsibility. Everyone wants authority without responsibility. The church is filled with people who want the benefits, the titles, the perks, but don't want the responsibility. But you see, in God's economy, there's no authority without responsibility. If you don't take responsibility for your family, you don't have the authority over your family. In fact, the first mark of sin was failure to take responsibility when Adam said, it's not my fault you gave me that woman. Don't giggle. Our sin nature always wants to blame others. So take responsibility. Quit passing the buck. Quit giving excuses. If your marriage is failing, take responsibility and get help. If your business is failing, take responsibility and get help. And if your ministry goals are failing, take responsibility and get help. You have a choice. You're not a victim. Winners make hard decisions that no one else wants to make. Most people don't want to make tough decisions because they're afraid of other people won't like them anymore. So what? It's the way it is. What I talked about last week, it's fear. Why fear? If you fear, you're allowing Satan to do what? Gain control. I know it's very difficult for our president and presidents that are in, in the past have had to make decisions that might not be by popular vote. But we have to look back in time and say, well, it was in the best interest of this country. It's the same thing as a pastor. I want this church to win. We didn't start this church on Todd's old morals and laurels and everything else. We started it on God's. And I want to finish this with God being at the finish line. That's our ministry. Why do we invest so much time? Why do we give so much in this ministry? Why do, you know, Pastor Chris and Hillary were here and they were, they were practicing and practicing and practicing and I appreciated and, and the time that's invested to do what? To give you a visual of what it's like to be a winner. What it's like 
to make the right choice. What it's like not to have to crawl across the finish line. You are a winner. If you're waiting for the perfect church, the perfect marriage, or the perfect business, you'll be waiting for a long, long time. Work with what's in your hand today. Be faithful in the little. Some of God's greatest gifts came in small packages and changed the world forever. Evaluate your life in terms of giving. Don't ever base your life on what you accumulate. Leave behind a legacy of principles and character, not just money and resource. What you give is what you'll really keep. Be a winner by giving God your best in all you do. Run to achieve. Run to be a winner. Satan is also on the other side of the stands. And he's on the losing team. Amen. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. We know who we are in Christ. But we've given up. We've lost our focus. We've lost sight of the finish line. And when you see people starting to lose sight, instead of compromising your Christian stand and giving into it, go grab them by the arm and lift them up and say, listen, let's focus. Let's keep going. Let's be winners. Today there's a bunch of tables set up downstairs. There's appetizers for you. And when you walk around, pray about the ministry that God wants you a part of. Amazing to me, we have 24 ministries in this church, and some aren't even downstairs, like the praise team. That was just one, for example. But there's something you can do. There's something that you can do to be a part of a team. And today I encourage you, be a part of God's team. I want to share this with you. This past Tuesday, my cousin Brad came home. And he said to Kayla, he's 26 years old, he said to his wife, he said, I don't know, something's wrong. My breathing, it's laborsome. I can't figure out what's wrong with me. So she said, you need to go to the doctor. So she made an appointment. Brad immediately went to the doctor. They said, I think you've got that upper you know, respiratory problem. So they sent him home. He went to work the next day. And at, at work, his boss said, you need to go home. He's in pharmaceutical cells. He flies all over the place. He drives all kinds of places. And successful young man, loved the Lord, was a godly young man. And he got home and he looked at Kayla and he said, Would you please, please just call my dad. I've got to go. I don't have time. I've got to get to emergency. Something's wrong. And she walked in and she picked up the phone to call him and she heard a thump. And he fell to the floor dead. Twenty-six years old. His race is over. His earthly race is over. They just had a little baby, 11 months old, little Jada. And so I'm leaving today after service. We're heading to Indiana to be a part of a funeral. It's going to be very sad and it's heartbreaking because we don't realize when our race is over. What is done on this earth shall pass, but what is done for Christ will last. When I met him, I said, Brad, what are you doing? They were dating, you know, and he's actually, Kayla's my cousin and he married into the family. Wonderful guy, just fit in with our family and took great care of Kayla. He goes, I'm going to college to be a youth pastor. Well, he ended up changing it to marketing, business, administration. And I remember right then I said, can I have your cell phone number? And he's like, yeah, first time I'd ever met him in Pleasant Lake, Indiana, a few years back. And I said, I want to pray for you. So I would shoot him a text. I'm praying for you. How's college going? 
And God elevated him and esteemed him. They were so faithful and so committed and so dedicated. And if you're in your life right now thinking, you know what, I just want to give up. Don't give up. Our life's short. My life is short. And when somebody walks by your casket in life, well, they say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thank you for being a part of the team. We look at that as far as family. We look at it in a personal relationship. But Paul... Paul was encouraging every church, all of them, keep doing the work. Stay focused. Stay faithful. Will you do the same? Let's all stand as we pray and we go into this morning's reflection. This morning I ask you a question with every head bowed and every eye closed. Do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? He died for you. And if you don't know Him, today is the day of salvation. Maybe you've never followed through with believers' baptism. Maybe you want to get baptized Today, I encourage you, come. Take that step of faith of surrender. And last, maybe in your life you said, you know what, we want to join the church. The altar call is open to you. Come and be a part of joining a church, getting involved in a ministry, being a part of a team. Together, everyone achieves more. Together, everybody does the work of the Lord. Do you want to be on His team? Let me hear you say amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, we come to You today and we're thankful, Lord, that we are on the winning team. Father, it was won when You shed Your blood upon Calvary, when they laid You in a grave and a borrowed tomb. And Father, when You rose victorious over death, victorious over sin, and we shout, He's alive! He's alive! For Father, not even death's sting could keep You in the grave. And so, Father, we're thankful that today we're a part of Your greater picture of the Bride of Christ, the church. Father, we're grateful that we're a part of a ministry where we can move forward for You. And Father, today may we be encouraged, Lord, to be on the winning team, to do the work, to make a difference, one person at a time. Father, let us put aside the old wooden boards to keep track, that score keep. But Father, may we just minister to one refugee, to one Nepali, to one Bhutanese, to one Congolese, to one American. No matter what our nationality is, no matter where we come from, red, yellow, black, or white, Lord, we realize that we're all precious in Your sight. And Father, today, we give You our heart, we give You our life, we give You our all. Father, today, give me Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.